Last week, we started to look at the vocal gifts. And so we looked at the ones that, uh, you know, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Those are what we call the vocal gifts. They have to do with you speaking something. Um, and then we, this week, we're going to look at the power gifts. Those are the ones that do something. So we're going to look at faith. We're going to look at working of miracles. And we're going to look at uh, gifts of healing as well. And then uh, next week, we're going to spend some time looking at the revelation gifts. And we're going to look at word of wisdom, uh, word of knowledge. Um, and again, as we've been stating, uh, the whole reason we're doing this is because the Holy Spirit, this is how he operates in the church today. And um, we have uh, relegated um, and, and really reduced the message, I believe, because we have tried to make a bigger deal in the church uh, out of things other than the Holy Spirit, because there have been misuses, misapplications, uh, you know, misconceptions about how the Holy Spirit operates. Uh, we've seen things abused and used improperly. Uh, but uh, I have made it my goal as your pastor and as a, a pastor in this town to uh, correct thinking, uh, to, to bring correction and, and not just throw it out the window and forget about it and say, well, you know, wasn't that important anyways, um, and, 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 and try not to walk on and, and tread on things that might be uncomfortable. But I want to bring correct thinking. I want to show people correctly through God's word uh, why these things are so important uh, so we can use them to the full benefit. Uh, you've heard me say before that God, when he builds something, he has a certain way, a certain order and a structure, uh, a, a code, if you will, that it's to be built to. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these nine gifts, uh, these are to be in operation in the church. This wasn't something that Paul was talking about that just the, the church at Ephesus or the, the church at Corinth or the uh, Colossian church. It wasn't just for these guys way back 2,000 years ago and it's been done away with. Uh, it's not just for certain people. Uh, we've made it very clear that the Holy Spirit, he's the one that chooses who he operates through, who he operates with. Uh, how he operates in a person's life, um, and, and, and it's the Holy Spirit that is working these things. Um, uh, part of the reason why we've gotten off and part of the reason why uh, we've not made a big deal out of it is because we've gone, we've lost the source. And the source is the Holy Spirit. The source is the spirit realm. And when we put the source on us, uh, man, we're going to blow it. We're going to screw it up. We're going to jack this thing up. And so that's what happens is when you put the emphasis on the person, on the pastor, the person holding the microphone, uh, in, instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to move through anybody and everybody in the church, uh, when we lose that emphasis, then uh, we're getting our eyes off of the wrong, off of the source, getting our eyes on the wrong source. And so, sure, if you're looking at me and you're expecting me to get it right every time, and I miss it, then you're going to be disappointed. And then we're going to say, well, that didn't work. And so now we start questioning the Bible. We start questioning the move of the Holy Spirit. When it was, it was up to me to use it right. It was up to me to use it uh, in, in the right way. Um, but when you, keep, when you get your eyes on the source of the Holy Spirit, then you see why all these things are in operation. We see why these things are so important to look at. And uh, so that's why we're taking this time. Um, tonight, we're going to start with the power gifts. Um, if you will, go ahead and turn to our main passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to 
review these verses once again. This is where we've been sitting for several weeks now. And in verse 4, Paul writes, he says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Thank God that is one Spirit working all these gifts in all these different people. Because I know when we start talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, these things, these things seem, uh, these things seem like they don't work. These things seem like they're unimportant. But when we look at the Holy Spirit, and we understand that it's the one Spirit working all the gifts, one Spirit working all the power, then we then we realize the source again. We get back to the source and we realize it's really not as confusing as it seems. When you look at the natural, sure, it seems confusing. Well, what, when is this gift working? When does this gift work? And when are we supposed to use this fruit? And how does this operate? But it's the same Spirit, the same Lord. There's unity in that. Verse 6 says, And there are diversities of activities, but, is, but it is the same God who works all in all. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. It's as the Holy Spirit wills. It's as the Holy Spirit chooses. We can't force any of these things to happen. We can't make any of them happen. In fact, the reason why they're called gifts of the Spirit is because they go beyond natural ability. Every single one of them, every single one of these nine gifts that we're looking at goes beyond your natural capacity to do any of it. That's the first key you have to remember. Because when we start talking about some of these, uh, when we start talking about gifts of faith, well, I thought we all have faith. Well, we sure do all have faith. In fact, the Bible says that you were saved by faith through grace, not by your works, by, by grace through your faith. So it is your faith that got you saved in the first place. So yes, we all have faith. Well, then how in the world is there a gift of faith? Because the Holy Spirit is in operation in a supernatural way that, be go, that goes beyond our ability. So you had an ability within you when you heard the gospel preached, when you heard Jesus preach, you had an ability within you to choose, do I believe that there is a God that I cannot see? that sent a son, that I was not there to see him die on a cross and rise again? Do I have faith to believe that? That's your natural ability to comprehend that and and, and to make that choice. But now when we talk about some of these gifts, they're going to go beyond your natural ability. Uh, Let's take the first one, for example, the gift of faith. The gift of faith is simply a supernatural ability to believe despite all circumstances. A supernatural ability to trust without doubting against all natural circumstances. That is a gift of faith. Now, how is this different from the faith that we all possess? All of us 
on a daily basis use faith. In fact, most of you, uh, when you sat down, you used faith. How many of you, when you sat down, were turning around looking and making sure your chair was there and, and was feeling, no, you just got in front of your chair and then you had faith that it was still there when you started to lower your body into it. There is a faith that we can use and really don't even have to give much thought to it. I mean, most of us, we, uh, uh, probably all of us, I hope all of us, believe that there is a God. And we don't think twice about that every day. We don't, we don't have to you know, work up a bunch of energy. I, man, I, I really hope I can believe that there is a God today. That there's no supernatural ability coming in there. That's your ability to think and process there is a God that I cannot see that is ruling this universe. That, that's just uh, most of you. Uh, how about faith for a paycheck? How many of you are getting paid this week? <laughs> okay. Now, right now, you have faith to believe that you're getting paid this week because as of right now, you don't have the paycheck in your hand. Now, you know every two weeks or every week or how, however often you get paid, you know that I can pre- pretty much predict that I will be getting paid on such and such date because I have put in the hours for it. Okay, that's your natural ability to believe that. The gift of faith goes beyond that. The gift of faith is the ability to trust and believe in God against all natural circumstances when nothing is showing that this thing will happen. And it is a refusal to doubt or operate in unbelief. That is a gift of faith. And there are, are, there are times when you need a gift of faith. There are times when there is no way on earth that I can be healed of this cancer that's in my body right now. But I operate in a gift of faith to believe God at his word. I mean, let, let, look at how many times in the Bible this was in operation. Let's take Abraham. Abraham had to operate in a gift of faith because there was no natural sign showing that he could be a father of many nations. I mean, everything was actually lined up against him being a father of many nations. He is written off. He is 100 years old. His wife is 90. They haven't been able to have children this whole time, and she is barren in her womb. What part of this story is showing you that he's going to be a father of many nations. What part of this story is showing you that he's going to be a father of one, much less many nations? So Abraham, to believe God, had to have a supernatural ability, a supernatural faith that superseded his ability. Here's the thing with the gift of faith. The gift of faith will always override your head. Because it's supernatural. The gift of faith will always override your head. Now, this type of faith has to be built up. And think about it. If you want to develop faith supernaturally, then that means that there's nothing naturally that we could do to build it. Let me say that again. If you want to build a supernatural faith, then that means that there is nothing in the natural that you can do to build it. If I want to build faith 
that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, I can naturally go and read the Bible. I can naturally talk to someone else that does believe that and have them build my faith in that area. But to build faith in an area that is supernatural, you have to do something spiritual. But look over here in Jude chapter 20. Or not Jude chapter 20, but Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter in the whole book. In verse 20, Jude verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Did you know that there's a most holy faith? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So he says right there, if you are going to build supernatural faith, you're going to have to pray supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's several ways you can do this. One, you can pray in tongues. That is the most obvious way to pray in the Spirit is pray in tongues because you know you're not praying anything out on your own. Praying in tongues automatically overrides your head. That's why it's the greatest prayer. That's why it's the greatest way to pray. I had someone ask me once, uh, if you pray in tongues, does that, make it, does that make your prayer better than my prayer in English? And I said, it's not that it makes it better, but I am praying for something that I don't even know about. I'm going beyond reasoning. I'm going beyond my mental capacity. See, if, if I know that Jimmy is sick, I can pray for him in English and know that I'm praying for him for his sickness and for his healing. But if I don't know that he's sick and God impresses upon me by the Holy Spirit to pray in tongues, I could be praying for him for his healing and for his sickness without even knowing it. So now which is greater? Well, obviously it would be greater to pray for something that you don't even know about that needs to be prayed. So this is how you build up your most holy faith. This is how you build up a gift of faith. It's a supernatural ability. It's a supernatural trusting. So there's nothing I can do in the natural. In fact, you'll find that when a gift of faith is needed, everything in the natural will be contrary to what you're trying to pray for. For example, if I have cancer in my body, the doctors have given me two weeks to live. What am I going to look for in the natural to try to build my faith that I'm going to be healed? Everything I look at in the natural is going to tell me you're dying in a couple of weeks. Everything in the natural, every doctor I go to, hey, doctor, can you help my faith because I want to believe for my healing? What's he going to tell me? The prognosis is we're expecting you to die in two weeks. So going to the natural is not helping me at all. It's not helping my faith. It's destroying my faith. So now I need to build it up supernaturally. And that allows a gift of faith to be in operation. What's awesome is when you get in a corporate setting and a gift of faith is available in a corporate setting, it's, it's so incredible to see because you have a room full of people that are believing against all odds. I mean, I've been in healing services where you got the whole, the whole room is in unity that these people up front will walk away healed. 
will walk away different than when they walk to the front of the stage. you got a whole building. You have a unity of faith. People that are believing beyond natural circumstances, against all odds. That's a gift of faith. Again, these can be used uh, individually and they can be used corporately. And again, when they're used corporately, they're there for the edification of the body. And I have seen churches, I have seen buildings and rooms walk away edified and encouraged because they all got in agreement about a few sick people up front. And when those people were healed, because of the unity of faith that was in that room, the entire church walks away encouraged. The entire, work, the, the entire church walks away knowing that their God is a healer and that there is nothing too big for God. That's what happens when a gift of faith is in operation. It's there for the edification of the body. So, yes, there are some things that naturally we use faith for. We believe that there's a heaven. We believe that there's a hell. We believe that there's a God. We believe that we're born again. At first, some of you, when you were first born again, you might have had the enemy try to attack you and try to say, were you really saved? Are you really born again? And so you're thinking about it a little bit, but... I would almost venture to say that most people in this room, we don't struggle with that on a daily basis. We don't deal with, well, am I really born again? Am I really saved? We've had enough confirmation. We've heard enough pastors. We've read enough word. We've talked with enough uh, other believers that know, hey, look, if you prayed the prayer, you're born again. If you ask Jesus into your heart, if you made him Lord of your life, you're going to heaven. You are saved. And so we've had enough affirmation to that. And that's, that's just our regular faith. That's just regular sa- saving, believing faith. But the gift of faith goes beyond that. The gift of faith goes beyond what you... It, it, it's, it, it's not in the back of your mind. The gift of faith is something you apply pressure to. The gift of faith is something that I am standing in faith on this thing. There is no way my God can fail. There is no way I can lose. I have the victory. I have the answer. That's the gift of faith. And when everything around you is saying you don't, you continue to say, I will, because the gift of faith refuses to doubt. The gift of faith refuses to operate in unbelief. So we understand that? All right, the gift of healing. The gifts of healings. Again, we know in Mark chapter 16 that Jesus actually commanded his disciples to go lay hands on the sick, See them recover. That was a command for every believer. Said these signs will follow those who believe. Not these signs will follow those who I pick and choose. Not these signs will follow those who are worthy enough. Says those, these signs will follow those who believe. So that encompasses every believer. But now we have a gift of healings. And a gift of healing is a supernatural ability, a supernatural healing without human aid. Now, we know through Jesus' ministry, we can point out many times where people came to Jesus and were healed. And many times Jesus' response to that person was, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. So that means that the woman with the issue of blood, when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, she knew she would be healed. 
That means that blind Bartimaeus knew that if I just cry loud enough and if I can get Jesus' attention, that he will pray for me and I will be healed. That means that the Roman centurion, when he approached Jesus and said, my servant is at home, he's laying on his deathbed, but I believe that if you just say a word, he will be healed. And Jesus said, I haven't found as great faith in all of Israel. Your faith has made your servant whole. Go your way. But there was one instance where Jesus approached a man that had absolutely no faith at all. John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, after, after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew already that he had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? And look at the man's reply in verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. This is the only time Jesus is in the Bible called sir. Many other times he was called teacher, he was called master, he was called Lord. People knew who he was. We obviously know that people were talking about him like crazy. In fact, they were talking about Jesus so much and about the miracles and the signs and wonders that he did that Jesus would tell people, don't say a word to anybody. Don't, say, don't go tell people. That, you were, that I just healed you. Why would Jesus say that? Because he didn't want his ministry based upon signs and wonders. In fact, Jesus got to a point in his ministry where he would enter a town and he would want to teach them and want to you know, teach them in parables and, and, and teach them in their synagogues. But all they wanted was a sign. And Jesus called them a perverse generation. He said, you are a perverse generation. All you do is seek a sign. You don't want to hear what I have to say. You don't want to hear my teachings. You don't, and the only reason you're following me is because you just want to see me lay hands on, on sick people and then be healed. You want to see me cast out some demons. You want to see me do some signs and wonders. And so this man obviously has never heard of Jesus. Has no idea who he is. So when Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? His response is, sir. And then he locates his faith. I don't have anyone to push me in the water. That's as far as this man could believe. That's it. He located himself. He just told Jesus, I have faith that if I can get in the water, I'll be healed. But I don't have anyone to get me in the water. Someone always beats me to it. That's his level of faith. So in this instance... Jesus operates in a gift of healing. He overrides the man's ability to believe for himself. 
And that's why it's called a gift of healing, is because it goes beyond your ability to have faith to believe it. Now, you have to have faith to keep your healing. You're not going to be able to walk in something if you don't know what just happened. And there are times, uh, like I said, I've been in many services where there is a gift of healing present. And the pastor will know that. The pastor will say, There's, there is a, a, a time of healing. If you are sick, come down here right now. We'll pray for you. You will be healed. Because the gift of healing is an operation whether you believe it or not. Now, it will not override your will. Your will and your ability to believe, those are two different things. But a gift of healing is when you can lay hands on someone who doesn't necessarily know that they can be healed. Doesn't necessarily know that they can have faith for healing. But once you know something, now you're going to be responsible for what you know. Once you know that you can pray the prayer of healing and, be, and, and recover, once you know that you have to stand for your healing and, and combat the enemy who keeps trying to take away your healing from you, then you're going to be responsible to walk in those things. But when a gift of healing is an operation, that's the ability to lay hands on the sick, see them recover without them really exercising anything. And so that's what happened with this man. If we continue reading here, in verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Now again, Jesus didn't override his will. Because that man could have continued to lay there and say, what are you talking about? I have to get in the water. So there was a point of action. There was a point of the man having to enact something. But his ability to believe and his, his faith to believe for healing obviously was not there. And Jesus was able to operate by the Spirit. This is one of the very few times that Jesus operated by, by the Spirit in that manner. Like I said, most everyone else that he prayed for or that was healed, they had faith to heal, to, uh, to, to be healed. I mean, we know the, the woman with the issue of blood, she actually told herself. She spoke it out loud, said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Mark chapter 5. She spoke that out loud. So she was believing. She knew Doctors aren't doing nothing for me. I've spent all the money that I have, but if I can just touch this man's garment, he doesn't even have to know. He doesn't even have to lay his hand on me. People's faith was at such a high level with Jesus. I mean, think about the Roman centurion. He's asking Jesus to do something that to this point he hasn't done yet. Just say the word? Just speak it? And my servant, who is hours away, will be healed? I mean, Jesus hasn't done that yet. The only miracles, the only healings Jesus has done to this point is laying hands on somebody. And so this Roman centurion's got a very high level of faith. But this man at the pool of Bethesda has no faith. In fact, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. This man was able to receive a healing from Jesus without even knowing what he was capable of doing for his life. And that was because a gift of healing was an operation by the Spirit that Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. 
And the man took up his bed and walked. That's a gift of healing. And there will be those services where maybe someone doesn't have the faith. Maybe they're not at that level. But we'll pray, we'll see the supernatural manifestation, and then we'll teach them. Now, this is what just happened. This is what just took place in your life. This is how you keep your healing. You can be healed. You can walk in complete health. You can walk in wholeness. You can stand on God's Word. God's Word says this about your healing. God says, God's Word says this about sickness and disease. And you don't have to live uh, 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 with that in your life any longer. And we'll teach them. That's what Jesus did. Now, there were times where Jesus came to people who were in unbelief, and he did nothing. Because in Mark chapter 6, Jesus went to his own hometown, showed up back at Nazareth, went back for a high school reunion, and shows up, and everyone says, Jesus? What in the world are you talking about, man? I went to school with you. I know your brother. I know your parents. You're just the carpenter's kid. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? And because of their doubt and unbelief, Jesus was able to do very little there. But you know what it says right after that? He went throughout the town teaching in their synagogues. He said, okay, if you don't have the faith for me to believe, then I'm going to build your faith and I'm going to teach you about everything that I'm about. You're thinking of me as this kid over here that was raised under Joseph and Mary and the brother of all these brothers and sisters. And, you know, he just was a carpenter, he grew up right where I grew up. That's how you picture me, that's how you see me, so let me teach you. I'm the Son of God, I'm the Messiah you've been looking for, and this is why I'm here. And so he went about the town teaching, why? To to build their faith. So that is what the gift of healing is. It goes beyond that, that natural ability, it goes beyond human aid, it is supernatural. Again, This is not something we can do on our own. Just as all the other gifts of the Spirit, this is not something you can naturally build up. This is not something naturally that I can do Monday through Friday and and try to work it up and try to say, all right, we're going to have a gift of healing and operation on Sunday. Uh, You can't do that. It's as the Holy Spirit wills, not as I will. As much as I may want to lay hands on every sick person in here, regardless of what your level of faith is, and see you healed, it's as the Holy Spirit wills. And Jesus proved that out. I mean, if we could do it, then why didn't Jesus go throughout Nazareth and just still lay hands on sick people and see them recover? Because he knew there's no spiritual manifestation available here, so I'm going to teach them, I'm going to build their faith in who I am, so they can receive from me. And so that's the difference between the gift of healing uh, and, and just a regular operation of laying hands on the sick. Now, working of miracles. Working of miracles, you know, a lot of times we get it confused and we think, isn't that the same thing as gifts of healing? But miracles are beyond just healings. I mean, if you are healed of cancer, it's completely eradicated out of your body, yes, that is a miracle. And here's what I love about miracles, just to throw this out there. Miracles to us is God just getting things back the way they should be. I mean, we make make a big deal out of miracles. We make a big deal, uh, you know, uh, out of healings. But for God, that's just setting it back the way it should be. Uh, when When a miracle of healing operates in someone's body and 
cancer is taken out or sickness is taken out or whatever, supernaturally. To us, that's a major miracle. Wow, that, you know, there's no way that could have been done naturally. But for God, that's just getting it back the way, he's just getting things back to normal. He's getting it back to the way it should be on a daily basis. But here's what a, a working of miracle is. Let's throw that up there. A working of miracles is a supernatural ability, a supernatural display of power that counteracts earthly and evil forces. And we'll explain this. Again, this is a display of power. This is visible. These are manifestations. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 5, I think it is, says that there are, um, verse 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each. That means it's taken from the Spirit realm into the natural realm. All nine gifts of the Spirit are evident, are, are, are visible naturally. You can see them take place. A working of miracle is a supernatural display of power that counteracts earthly and evil forces. Example, Jesus cursing a fig tree, speaking a word, and a tree dies. Within 24 hours, it is withered up at the root. That is a miracle. There is no way just talking to a tree will kill it. You can spray stuff on it. You can chop it down. You can do whatever you want there. But just talking to a tree will not kill a tree. Will it, Brent? Never worked for you, has it? Not yet. I know this guy has got all kinds of concoctions and chemicals that he's spraying all day long on these things to kill stuff. And to this point, he's still spending money on that because he hasn't walked out and just on a regular basis, you need to die, you need to die, you need to live. It's not working yet. We haven't done that. It is a working of miracles. That is a miracle. Jesus standing up in a boat in the middle of a storm. What's he doing? He's counteracting an earthly force. He's counteracting what's taking place naturally. But here's what you're doing. When you are operating a working of miracles you are getting to the root or the source of the problem. See, his disciples saw him take out a fig tree. But Jesus, when he spoke, he wasn't speaking to the natural tree. He was speaking to the supernatural source behind it. When Jesus stood up in the boat and spoke to the storm, he wasn't just speaking to the natural storm that was taking place. He was speaking to the supernatural force behind it. See, again, we we have to remember we are spirit beings and the spirit realm is more real than the natural realm. We have to remember this. The number one hindrance to faith and the number one hindrance to the gifts of operation uh, is the natural realm. Why? We get, our, we get our eyes on the natural source instead of the spiritual source. And all of these are to bring the spirit realm into the natural realm. And we have to remember this. So a working of miracles. How many, I mean, sometimes we need a, a miracle in our finances. And there is no way we can change the financial the financial situation but a miracle can take place 
And a working of miracle is something supernaturally happening. I mean, you're, 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 uh, you're trying to buy a home. And there is no way naturally that you can get a loan from the bank to buy, to buy a home. Your credit's wrong. Uh, you don't have the finances available. You don't have what you need. And there's no way naturally, you know, if I walk into this bank right now and try to apply for this loan, they are not going to approve it. It will be denied. But a working of miracle is something that takes place supernaturally. God can move on someone's heart. God can change things in the natural supernaturally. If we just limit God to doing things just in the natural realm all the time and pay no attention to the supernatural, then we are, we are severely misunderstood. And we severely misunderstand who God is and what he's capable of doing. And there's things all the time in our lives where we need a miracle. We need something supernatural to take place to change a natural condition. There is no way naturally I should be applying for this job because I do not have the credentials, I do not have the qualifications, and they will naturally turn me down. I don't have the abilities, I didn't finish school, I don't have the education. But God supernaturally can work a miracle there and move on someone's heart and say, you know what, I don't even know why we're giving you this job, but we're bringing you. You, you, You're the man. You're the one we're looking for. That is a supernatural working of miracles. There's nothing I could have done. There's nothing I could have done. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't have done anything naturally to prove to them I, I'm the man for the job. But God supernaturally can move on someone's heart, cause them to make a decision that they don't even know why they're making it, and you get the job. That is a working of miracles. That's why it goes beyond healing. Healing, uh, healing is not the only form of a miracle. We need miracles day in and day out in our lives. And this is a gift of the Spirit given to believers so that they can operate in it on a regular basis. That's why this stuff, that's why this stuff is not stuck to just five full ministers. I'm not the only one who can operate in a working of miracles on a daily basis. I'm not the only one who can get a word of wisdom for someone or for my own life for that matter. And we just have to go to the pastor. There's a lot of pastors out there that are very insecure about their jobs, and so they don't want to tell people this. Because what, I, what my job is as a pastor is to empower you and enable you to walk in this stuff. Not keep you running to me. Not keep you running to the church. The church has its place. The pastor has its place. But I am not to be so insecure in myself and insecure in my job. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, uh, just in the natural. You get a new job. And then the person above you, they don't really want to train you that well. They don't want to give you all the ins and outs because they feel if, if this person knows what I know, then I become, I become replaceable. They can do away with me. But pastors can't have that kind of mindset. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to tell you, you can operate in all these on any day of your life. You can have a gift of healing operate in your life. You can have a working of miracles operate in, in your life. You can have a gift of faith. When, when it's against all odds, there's no way that I can have the outcome I need in this situation. 
I believe, God, that a gift of faith will be available to me so I can believe him at his word and that I will overcome in this situation. That is what God wants. That's what God wants. We don't have to wait till Sunday. We don't have to wait till Wednesday. Man, I really need this to happen in my life, but I guess I just got to wait till Sunday and, and talk to the pastor about it. Maybe he'll get a word of wisdom about it, or maybe, you know, he'll, he'll have a prophecy or some kind of revelation for me, or maybe a, a gift of healing will be... No, you can, you can pray the, the prayer of faith yourself. You can build, the, build yourself up in the most holy faith on Thursday, on Friday, on Monday, at work, in your car, at home, walking through Walmart. That is, the, that is why these gifts of the Spirit are so important. And, and, and not talking about it. What, what are we accomplishing by not talking about it? What are we accomplishing by not voicing what the Word says in these areas? Because there's been a little bit of awkwardness or a little bit of kookiness or people have misused it or done away with it. What is that accomplishing? We have a bunch of people that are running to the church on Sunday and Wednesday, and they're just going through a cycle. On Sunday morning, they walk in, beat up, feel a little bit better on Sunday. But then by the next Sunday, we're right back in the same boat again. I mean, how many of you have ever felt, I know I have, you go into, you go, you've been battling this thing all week long. And you get to church on Sunday, and man, you just feel so encouraged. It's like, man, yeah, you know what, I got this. I can do it. We, you know, a financial situation. It's just like, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay that. I don't know what's going to happen. But then you go to church, and you feel encouraged. Yeah, you know, God is my provider. He is supplying my needs according to his riches. I've got this. We've got this beat. And then by the time you get home on Sunday afternoon, it's right there again. Man, I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill. Well, what just happened? Somebody didn't empower you to be able to walk in what you just heard. Sunday morning is not the only time that we should feel like we can whip the enemy. Wednesday evening is not the only time that we should... uh, Coming inside this building is not the only time. This building has... This is just steel and sheetrock and a roof and a concrete floor. That's all this is. There's nothing special inside here that, you know, for some reason when I walk through those doors, I feel like I can do anything. But then when I walk back out, I can't do the same thing I was able to do on the inside. That's why these gifts of the Spirit and teaching them and showing people that this is stuff that ought to be operating in your life on a daily basis. You know what? The same faith you can have in here is the same faith you can have out there. It's the same faith you can have driving in your car. Same faith you can have working at your house, working at your job, going grocery shopping, going to your kids' baseball games. That's the same faith. And there is power here because it's the church coming together. But you're the church. And the church isn't over when we leave. I mean, I like to tell people it's just begun. Everything I've been telling you for the last 30 minutes now, you get to go out there and do it. You get to go out there and operate in it. And we come in here to get instruction, to be encouraged. That's why edification is so important when we come together as a body. 
I mean, if you can't be encouraged in church, where are you going to be encouraged at? I mean, the world, they don't have anything for you. They don't have any kind of encouragement for you. They're out there. They're wandering around in darkness. There's blind leading the blind. Blind leaders leading blind followers. It's a mess out there. So that's why we got to come here and we receive instruction and we get empowered to go out there and change that. That's why we're the light of the world, because they're blind without us. The world is blind without us. So who are we as the light of the world to be going to the world to try to get them to solve our problems? We're the ones supposed to be changing their problems. And so, uh, you know, I, I've just taken that on as, as a mission almost uh, in being here um, that, you know, I, I'm not going to hold anything back just because some people might have, have seen it, you know, improperly before or, uh, you know, there were, there were things done wrong and there was an awkwardness. Let's correct the thinking. Let's get the right mindset about it. Let's, let's enable people to use it properly. Let's quit handing guns to babies and let's teach people how to use the guns so they can go out there and use it properly. Instead of shooting themselves in the foot or shooting each other, let's use it for the right reasons. Amen? Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the gifts of the Spirit that you have given to us, Father. For daily use, for day, on, a, on a daily basis, this isn't just a once-in-a-while thing. It's not when we have a special service or, uh, you know, when we have a good group uh, that's come together in church. But this is for us to use individually on a daily basis in our homes and in our jobs and with our families, uh, uh, with, with, with people that we care about, with people who are lost, Father. This is why we're here. These are gifts that you have given to us. And we value the gift we determine tonight in our hearts to use these gifts, to learn as much as we can about these gifts. If there's things that we still don't know, things that we still have questions on, that we will ask those questions because we just want to be the most effective and productive for the kingdom of heaven. Father, I thank you for every person here that has given their time tonight to come out even in the storms, even in the, even in the weather uh, that would many times turn people away. Father, I thank you that they have... Uh, determine in their heart that they are going to be at church, be a part of the church, to hear instruction, to learn and grow spiritually so that we can do your work in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.